welcome to the weekly podcast of Science and the City, the public gateway to the New York Academy of Sciences, online at scienceandthecity.org. Today is Friday, September 11th, 2009. I'm Alana Rangi. Think about folding a single piece of paper into an origami crane. Now imagine doing that with a giant sheet of metal. Impossible? Not in Brooklyn. Milgo Bufkin is a company specializing in fabrication of architectural metal. Think skyscraper facades, subway grates, or outdoor sculptures. They're also a company with innovation on their mind, using mathematics, architecture, and engineering to create beautiful and revolutionary ways to work with metal. And some of their work is based on the genome. This week, I'll take you on a tour of Milgo, and you'll meet two of the men behind this cool local company with a big reach. This fall, Science in the City is bringing you provocative thinkers in science and culture to the New York Academy of Sciences. Join Richard Dawkins, Aubrey de Grey, Paul Ekman, and many more world-renowned scientists and thinkers. They'll bring you the newest, hottest ideas in science, from anti-aging to nanotechnology to new discoveries in evolutionary theory. Kick off your fall with Elkanon Goldberg, a neuropsychologist who will talk about the new executive brain and how it handles complex decisions. For tickets or more information, visit the Science and the City homepage at scienceandthecity.org. Okay, first of all, take a look at the ceiling. Oh, it's like the Nouveau tin ceiling. Yeah. I'm Bruce Gitlin, the chairman of Milgo Industrial in Brooklyn, New York. We're going to talk about new revolutionary methods of forming materials in metal that we believe have never been done before. This September morning, I'm in Greenpoint, Brooklyn, standing in Bruce's office at Milgo Bufkin and staring at the ceiling. Each ceiling tile is made out of cut metal, which has been pressed or pushed into wavy three-dimensional shapes. Each tile looks like a square of elaborate metal lace. Now when you say acoustical properties, what does that mean? That means that it absorbs sound so that it's not reflecting sound, so you can make rooms as quiet as you'd like depending upon the open area perforated into the material and the acoustical backing that's put on the back of the material. Which is kind of unheard of for a metal room, being someone who works in sound. You do not want a room usually made out of metal. (laughs) And I will tell you that we can make a room with a ceiling and maybe walls that will be almost perfectly quiet. It absorbs all the sound, or almost all the sound. Building sound-absorbing rooms out of metal is exactly the type of project that gets Bruce excited about his work at Milgo Bufkin. For more than 100 years, his family has been innovating with metal. My grandfather came over from Russia and was a wagon maker, and he was making fine horse-drawn carriages. But he quickly realized that cars had just started happening and it was going to put him out of business. So he started making horse-drawn wagons for commercial industry. Then he saw trucks and realized that was going to put him out of business. So he started making truck bodies, which is the back of the trucks, to carry commercial goods. And up until 1963, when I came into the business, the company specialized in custom-made truck bodies. And I didn't want to have anything to do with that business, and I wanted to do architectural metalwork, and my father agreed that we would start doing that immediately and no more truck bodies. 
And then, very shortly after that, while we were doing architectural metalwork in my first year here, I was approached by John Lobel, who's sitting in this room, who mm -hmm. was 21 years old, and to make some contemporary sculpture. And we made a show that was very well received, and the young artist in New York City wanted to know who made those beautiful pieces, and John told them that it was done here at Milgo, and uh, we became the center of sculpture fabrication for the artists in New York, which were at that time the, the avant-garde and leading artists in the world. Okay, so stop for a second. Think about all of the things in your life that are made of metal. Skip over the stapler on your desk and the fork you used to eat for lunch. Think the steel beams holding up your office building, the subway cars that take you to work, the sculptures in the park, or the cars that we drive. Milko Bufkin is interested in taking all things metal and rethinking how we make and see them. Chances are you've seen their work somewhere, whether it be the alphabetic love sculptures in cities all over the world, the artistic metal facade of your office building, the bus stop shelter you wait under, or Richard Serra's giant metal sculptures. Milgo Bufkin is everywhere. In Bruce's own words... Milgo Bufkin is a metal fabrication company par excellence that specializes in fine metal work, mostly in the architectural design and sculpture fields. Back in Bruce's office, we're checking out some of the prototypes and metal models that he has around the room. I'm most interested in their newest projects. Now, while, you, while you're in here, this uh -huh. is important okay. to hear, is that in one of these worlds that we're working in called Zerf. By world, Bruce means that Zerf is one of a few of Milgo's most innovative projects currently being researched. XURF, which means expandable surfaces. Okay. We have been able to take sheets of metal that are fairly thin, laser cut them with a lot of little slits in the material, mm -hmm. and it makes it even weaker. So mm -hmm. now you have really weak material. And then after we form it into a curved surface, the curved surface is stronger than the original material. How is that possible? Bruce rolls out a round, convex piece of metal with a geometrically lacy pattern similar to the one on the ceiling. This looks like kind of like a curved manhole cover Bruce is putting on the floor. Woo. Hey, you can stand on this. Really? Yeah. Are you sure? Positive. I jump on. What I'm standing on looks like a convex net of metal. Not very strong looking at all. Yet, Bruce says it can hold over a thousand pounds. Wait, so then how is it... How is it stronger now than when you had it as a full sheet of metal? Three-dimensional <laughs> geometry. Three, John, you've got to come a little a closer to the microphone. Right Meet John. My name's John LaBelle. I'm a professor at Pride Institute, and I've been uh, consulting with uh, Bruce at Milgo for many years and also work with several cutting-edge architects on computational and genomic approaches to form that uh, Milgo is actually helping to realize in actual constructions. Today I've asked for a tour of Milgo. I'm especially curious about the technology they use, as well as some new mathematical and genomic-based projects they're working on. That's right. I said genomic. Here's John. If you had mentioned biology 20 years ago, you would think, oh, well, organic shapes, you know, things that look like plants. A whole bunch of fields, starting with biology, is now thinking genomically. The idea of all these variety of uh, forms in nature are coming from 
you know, like we share 90 plus percent of our genes with chimpanzees and we share 20 percent of our genes with yeast. In other words, nature has just certain, just a, a very minimal alphabet from which it makes all this complex variety of life forms. The most interesting people in design are working in it, the term is used genomically, where you establish a set of a couple of very simple rules. And those rules can eventually generate an entire design, an entire building. People doing that are finding themselves coming here and working with uh, Bruce and with Milgo on these uh, cutting edge approaches. Designers and architects like Pratt's Harash Lavani are working closely with Milgo to explore the mathematical and organic rules of design. The idea is that the right set of just a couple of rules should yield an infinite number of design possibilities. The right algorithm should be able to produce a multitude of shapes with essentially the same design genome. I know, this is tricky to imagine, but here's something that might help you out. Four of Milgo's algorithmic structures are in the permanent collection of MoMA, and you might have seen them. Here's Bruce describing what they look like and what they mean. The pieces at MoMA, which are four column type shapes, are demonstrating that with the same mathematical algorithm, the same material, the same type of fabrication, we can get different shapes, which allows us to do something called mass customization. And the cost of doing it is not much more than doing the same piece over and over again. So what we actually came up with was a way to do mass customization, and this was showing that it could be done. Mass customization is kind of like an oxymoron. Well, not really, because it means that a lot of people can have an object that is similar but different than the next person to them. Hmm. So that if you wanted to make car bodies and have everyone different, it could be done using methods that are not traditional, where in Detroit they make a mold and they stamp out the same fender or door over and over again. And we're saying, no, you can have every fender and every door different for every car, and it all fits. Haresh Lavani is helping Milgo develop these complicated algorithms and designs. Bruce says it's a slow and tricky process. Well, first, it has to be created in his mind. Mm -hmm. After that, then it gets translated, usually in three dimensions, into a computer with very advanced computational math. A very difficult thing to do computational math in, in uh, 3D. And then we've got to take the 3D and break that down into 2D so that we can take flat material and cut it and form it back into 3D. So we invent the processes to do that. But the original creation is done first in his mind and then translated into a computer. And then we take it from there and work out technologies to make it happen. I'll show you some of the Bruce things and I leave we'll the office and walk through a couple of doors into the factory. Milgo owns four other smaller factories in Brooklyn which handle various tasks like painting. But here, so at the main factory, is some of the best and coolest technology. This machine is cutting metal with water right now. Oh my God. Doing what with water? That's called the water jet machine. And what we do is we have water, regular water, coming out of a nozzle that is being forced by high pressure through the tubes to come out this nozzle. And it comes out at about 77,000 pounds per square inch. And the size of the nozzle is like a hypodermic needle. So you have enormous pressure. And that's put on a machine that's controlling it and moving it 
wherever you want within two or three thousandths of an inch. And the machine we have actually allows us to cut through any material basically in the world up to eight inches. So we cut cement, stone, glass, wood, metal, that thick. And the other part is that on some of the materials we add to the water as it's coming out of the nozzle very finely ground up garnet. And garnet is very hard, almost like diamonds. So we introduce, let's say, a garnet dust into that high-pressured water so we have a liquid abrasive, and it literally cuts through anything. All of Milko Bufkin's manufacturing and processes are surprisingly environmentally friendly. No heat is used to bend any metal. It's all done cold. All of the water they use is recycled, and Bruce says that only a fraction of the percent of metal they use ends up as waste. Efficiency is big at Milgo, and their laser cutter is a prime example. One of the best in the world, the machine essentially vaporizes the metal it's cutting. Milgo's laser cutter is huge, about the size of three cars. Bruce has asked the operator to run a quick test as a demo. They've programmed the laser to cut 100 pencil eraser size holes in a sheet of metal about the size of a drink booster. Wow! It really moves on this fast once on It's so fast! That's at 10,000 a minute. It's cutting up. The whole task takes about 10 seconds. We have a few lasers, okay. and the most sophisticated one is a new generation of machines that has just been produced whereby a high-powered laser that in ours in particular can cut up to an inch and a quarter thick steel moves at a speed rate of 10,000 inches a minute and is accurate to within one thousandth of an inch on the first shot and the whole laser delivery system is moving on a magnetic bed and there's no friction. So it goes from a standing stop to 10,000 inches a minute in a millisecond. There are only a few in the world. This is the kind of machine of the future that people would have. But when these are developed, the companies come to us because they know are like new toys, and we just buy them even if we don't have the work, just something new to play with. But this is a very large machine. It cuts sheets that are 6 foot by 12 feet super accurately. Um, that was the fastest hole cutter I've ever seen. <laughs> Bruce and I walk back into the offices, and as we go by a wall full of framed photos of Milgo's work, Bruce tells me a story I can't resist sharing. Here's the number nine on West 57th Street. Um, we, have, we put a sculpture that I made personally on the moon without NASA knowing about it. Really? This is the NASA photograph, and it's a plaque How that I made also. How did you do that? Snuck it up on flight, Apollo Flight 15. Sneak up a piece of metal on an aircraft. You have, you have to know an astronaut. Who was your astronaut? <laughs> astronaut Scott and Warden. And they both got kicked out of the space program <laughs> when NASA found out about it. No way! So did you give them a free sculpture or something to no. make up for them? <laughs> make but up for their moon? This is the picture on the moon. That's the little sculpture. And this was a plaque that was dedicated to all the astronauts and, and uh, cosmonauts that died trying to get to the moon. Oh my gosh. So this is around 1970. And the astronauts all wanted to happen. It was honoring their own. So is it still up there? Yeah. And in the Smithsonian Institute asked us for one, which we made a replica, and it was on permanent display for about 12 years in the Air and Space Museum in the full lunar landscape. I can't believe you got a sculpture on the moon without NASA. <laughs> it's one of the interesting projects. We have others also. <laughs> <laughs>
putting metal in unusual places. Take my word for it. You have to see some of these pieces for it to really make sense. Check out Milgo's website at milgo-bufkin.com. That's it for this week. If you can't get enough of Science in the City, you should try following us on Twitter. Visit us at www.twitter.com slash city. Science in the City is a non-profit program of the New York Academy of Sciences. This means that we need your continued support to keep bringing you this weekly podcast series, as well as the rest of the Science in the City program, like our event series and our new website. For more information on Academy membership or to support Science in the City today, log on to scienceandthecity.org. And as always, we would love your feedback on any of the programs we run here at Science in the City. Send us an email at scienceandthecity at nyas.org. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 212-298-8654. See you next week.